For centuries, the secrets of the samurai were passed down only through courage, dedication, and loyalty of its disciples will the spirit of the ancient warrior society continue to thrive. Find out in today's episode on the birth of a new Kobukai Jiu-Jitsu Dojo. From the Dojo to the Octagon, we bring you the Jiu-Jitsu Master Podcast! Welcome to another edition of the Jiu-Jitsu Master Podcast. This is your co-host Sri Pendikatla, and with me is co-host Shihan Russ St. Hilaire, 7th degree black belt in Kobukai Jiu-Jitsu. How are you doing this evening, Shihan? I'm doing great, Sri. Excited to uh, have this conversation tonight. Yes, and this conversation is going to include a special guest tonight, Senpai Chris Richards, also known as Senpai Mega, second degree black belt in Kobukai Jiu-Jitsu. Welcome to the show, Senpai. Thank you, Sri. Thank you for having me. Good to hear Talk to you there, Shian. You too, Chris. Got some exciting news for everybody. That we do. Shri, as you saw today, started with an idea. I mean, it was something that Shian had really drilled into us too. A little shed in the backyard, a good place to train, unfiltered atmosphere, small circle of people, you know, training really hard. And this turned into one of those things that it was an idea that just got, seemed to get bigger as it went on. As I was building this thing, I kind of sat there and I had talked to Xi'an back and forth and said, you know, how big was that original original dojo? He goes, I was like, you know, 20 by 16. Lo and hold to, be, to find out after I put the floor plan together, it's about four feet wider and it's about 10 feet taller. So it's um it's a big building compared to what I thought it was. But I'm very excited because I think it maintains a lot of what we had before, um, but brings also a little bit more space and um a little bit more ruggedness to what we were kind of used to. Yeah, that's really exciting. We started out uh, with a a small Hambu dojo that, you know, students helped me build. And it was, you know, based off of a traditional, you know, uh, tea house style from Japan. And, you know, it was a really, really tough atmosphere. Uh, And I think a lot of the people like uh, Senpai Richards that went there, you know, felt and learned a certain way in an atmosphere that's really hard to reproduce in a commercial space. Um, and so I'm very excited that uh, that Senpai has taken on, you know, this huge, huge task of, uh, you know, building a traditional dojo on his property. And he's going to be able to offer another generation of students something that, you know, he was able to experience years ago. I'd agree with that, Sean. Um, you know, for those of us who were there, uh, it was a special time. It was a very tight bunch of people who came. They trained really hard, insanely hard. We used to say that there was no bug spray in jiu-jitsu. It was whatever comes, you take it, you kind of do it. And I'm really excited about that opportunity to, it's not copying, but it's it's the opportunity to train in those same kind of mindsets. Like you said, it was not a commercial space. We have what we can kind of want to do. Um, it'll be a little bit varied, but... Um, I'm excited. This is going to be a neat thing. Well, it'll certainly allow you to make certain decisions that you can't necessarily make when you're in a commercial space. I mean, you know, you're in a commercial space, which is nothing wrong with that at all, but you're definitely making sure the bills are getting paid and, you know, every everybody's welcome and everybody gets a chance. And, uh, and that's good. That's a good thing. But this is a, a totally different environment where, you know, as an instructor, you're able to really make the choices on how people get, get trained, who gets trained, who stays, who goes. I think that's, uh, that's important for the future, too. 
Agreed. And, you know, I want to talk about all of our training centers, too. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to build this is a personal thing. I do want to express that we have excellent training centers in both Cromwell at the Jiu-Jitsu and Strength Academy and also our school in Windsor. Both are great places. So if there's a student out there, they're looking for a jiu-jitsu experience. Both of those are incredibly viable options. Um, I've spent several years uh, both training and teaching at both. Um, so pretty incredible. Also, I'd encourage people who haven't been to our Boynton Beach location to step in. It's very choice. Great atmosphere down there in Florida as well. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun. We took everything outside today. No mats. Uh, went out into a parking lot, practiced our carjacking and, uh, you know, holding people up against the side of the car with a knife and used our natural environment. And, um, you know, that's something that I really love doing. And, and I, I've seen your property before. Um, you're going to certainly have an opportunity to not only be in the dojo with the mats, but to be in a natural environment, which is, uh, which is great for students. One of the things, you know, that really is going to be ex- exceptional, small setting, right? As we know, back in the Hambu, it was um, you'd get maybe two or three couples of people out there. Same thing, small setting, personalized training, personal growth of people, I think is going to be one of those neat things that comes into this. This is also an opportunity for myself to grow a little bit as a teacher and a person. Oh, yeah, that's definitely going to happen because, you know, I've seen you teach and you're an excellent instructor, Uh, but now it's sort of running your own, your own facility, your own thing and everything that comes along with that, you know, generating the right kind of people to come and, and become students and... You know, all, all this stuff that comes along with that is such an amazing learning experience for the instructor. Of course, the students get a great learning experience, but the instructor, I mean, you're going to learn so much in the next just couple of years about, you know, how to really run that traditional dojo. And um, it's going to be fantastic for you. Mm-hmm. And I'd also like to stress that this will be very much like the, the Japanese tea house. We're currently working up the interior, and I think you can expect some very direct similarities to the old dojo we also learned also that um drywall doesn't work too well (laughs) so we are going straight up to the plywood and that's been one of the little delays because you sit there and go wow i probably should run cable before i run plywood and yeah exactly yeah we had to learn that the hard way um so i'm glad my learnings got passed on because you know we went through a lot of sheetrock before we figured (laughs) out this is not going to (laughs) work yeah and we're going to do the paneling up to the hip height and then the rest of the way will be all the way up to the ceiling plywood, and we're going to work on the ceiling after that, which is right. vaulted, by the way. So there should be no chance of anybody hitting a foot up there. Good, and it'll make it easier for, you know, when you're doing, like, club techniques or if you guys decide you're going to do sword or anything like that, it's it's certainly going to give you enough room to, uh, you know, not be knocking the lights out or whatever, which I remember we did a few times in the old Hambu. And, yes, I was one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> so. Sri, uh, yeah. what did you think when you went and saw it? I mean, you didn't have uh, opportunity to train at the All Hambu, although you did, you did visit it uh, as we were moving towards a commercial space. But what was your, what was your general take when you walked in? Did it have a great feeling? I was, as I was telling somebody earlier, I didn't say a lot, and that's unusual for me because I'm usually pretty talkative and I talk too much sometimes. And that's really because I was taking it all in, and it was, it was really impressive. Uh, first of all, it, the the fit and finish and the craftsmanship and quality, the exterior was completed and it looks better than my house. I I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not joking about that from the outside. I mean, it looks like a house if you were to look at it. And if you didn't know this is going to become a dojo or anything else like that, you would think this is a pretty nice, you know, nice little house yeah. <laughs> that I could live in. 
besides that, yeah, when you walk in, it was enormous. I did remember, like you said, I did visit your old Hanbu Dojo when you were still in Glastonbury. And I felt that atmosphere. I felt that feeling of the same same kind of feeling, except everything was sort of supersized. <laughs> you, you mean it was mega? <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> uh, guilty as charged. That, that, it, there was a little bit of scope creep, and myself being a professional project manager for the last 20 years, yeah, scope increased. And yeah, speaking well... of speaking of which, uh, Senpai, do you want to also talk about some of the technological advancements that uh, are going into uh, this dojo? Um, LED lighting, cable... You know, it's overwired for what it needed to be. And, um, you know, it's got hurricane ties. It, it's full mega. I, I think nice. I hit the, every mega box that I possibly could have done on this. And not that it's overdone really when you get down to it, but I wanted to build a place that lasts. Sure. And our old dojo was very well built. And this is something that I want to be here for 20, 30 years. I mean, this is something that I'm not looking at retiring from for any time soon. Right. So if you're going to do it, do it right and put the extra time in. And that also transfers into the atmosphere for the student, right? Because if they have a quality training place, they're going to want to come back. And it's going to be raw. It's going to be hard. But I think it's going to be nice enough and tough enough that we're going to have a hard time knocking it down. Oh, I I think so. Um, So, you know, in the old dojo, of course, uh, being in the Northeast, there's winter. Mm -hmm. And... We did, you know, break down a little bit the, of the Spartan atmosphere and offer a little bit of heat before class started with, a, you know, with a kerosene stove, which, you know, we all huddled around and then we shut it off and then we warmed the place up with our sweat. Are, are we doing something uh, different or have we stepped that up a notch too? We're doing that, but we have stepped it up a notch. As I ah. said, I think I hit every mega box. So there <laughs> is an electric forced heater in there. It's, ah. a, it's a little 2,000-watt unit, which has a fan on it, and it, much like the Curison, it will be able to heat it enough. You leave it on long enough, it could heat it up pretty well, but it's to take the edge off, and that's going to be the way it is. In the, cold, in the winter, it's going to be cold, guys. I hate to tell you this. It's going to be cold, but it <laughs> should be cold during the winter. I agree. And you're going to have to suck it up. So you may have to wear a balaclava in class sometimes. We may even open the door in the middle of winter. You know what? We may even go out for a jog in our geese with no shoes in the snow, but that's good. That makes you harder. And those challenges will help you become a little bit tougher. Your body will be more resilient. You won't be as worried about, God, can I deal with this? Because you'll have dealt with it before. Hey, in the summer, it's going to be hot and you're going to have to deal with that too. I'm going to have a ceiling fan, but doesn't mean that it's going to help. It just means it'll move the hot air around faster. (laughs) Did you uh, did you run a hose or any kind of water out anywhere near where it is? That can be arranged. Yeah, because I know we came back from a few runs uh, or went through a couple of like some pretty crazy Nawaza classes, and people had to go out and dunk their heads under a hose just to just to survive. Um, but I do agree that 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 toughness that you get from adverse conditions is something that I can't speak highly enough about. Uh, it's it's such a mental and physical game. And and it's mainly mental. I mean, the body, you know, can be trained to do anything. Uh, You know, it can withstand anything. It'll adapt. It'll change. But the mind can be rigid. And, you know, when you're running around in snow or you're sweating to death or whatever else, you know, uh, fun things we have in store, um, it's, it's about breaking those mental barriers and letting people become more than they ever thought they could be. 
Yeah, and I'd have to agree there. Um, one of the greatest things I think, and you you talked to some of us going back to the old West Hartford days and the old Glastonbury days, is we never knew what we were going to get, but we knew it was going to be tough. It knew it would push our our bar a little bit farther. But having that experience, whether how crappy it would be, how cold it would be, how hot, how buggy, you know, you were able to go into things and go, this isn't that bad. When things right. really go down, you're like, that's it. It's yeah. only 20 degrees out and I'm in shorts. It definitely gives the other difficult things in your life sort of a, you know, a, a grayer feeling. They're not quite as pronounced after you go through some really tough training and, and the things you hear people complain about at work or in everyday life, you just kind of shake your head like you, you don't know what difficult is. And I think that's good for any warrior as they as they train. I'd agree. And I think that's it. that old Spartan slash military background attitude, right? Is Agreed. you train hard before combat so that you bleed less in it. Um, and, you know, it'll be punishing at times. I'm not going to lie to people. It's going to suck at times. Sometimes you're going to come out of there and go, that that was awesome, but sucked. Uh, sometimes you're going to come out and say that sucked and that sucked. <laughs> uh, but I don't do students any good by going easy. And that's part of why I want to do this is I want to get back to warrior workout training, which I loved running before. And I, you know, you know, training is tough if you want to be good. It's the bottom line. You ask Senpai Oz, Joel, you ask any of the black belts that are up there. Training is tough. And if you want to be good, you got to put in the time and you got to train hard. Um, We're not here to lollygag around and play patty cake. We're doing something that's tough and it's, dangerous and it can be deadly and if you want to reach the pinnacle of it you're going to have to put out and you're going to have to dedicate the time do the reps and you're going to get dings and hey that's going to happen but you know nothing comes easy if it's worth it Uh, i think you've told me that a thousand times say if it was easy everybody would do it but if you look at the kobukai pyramid it's very broad at the base and a very finite point at the top yep because you could see people as they went up. It just got tougher and people would get dinged or hurt. And making it to black belt's not easy, nor should it be. We're not, you can't buy a black belt at Kobukai Jiu Jitsu. No, not at all. I mean, well, for all the years that, you know, we've all been doing this together, you know, what do we have? Maybe, you know, 10 or 11, maybe a dozen black belts, if that. Um, and that's over. Cripe 30 years. Uh, so, you know, we're definitely not giving them away. And I know you'll keep that standard uh, standard there. Um, I did want to ask you a question, though. So what uh, what kind of mats are you going to be using? Because that's, of course, like the most important piece of equipment that we have in, in a dojo. Swain. <laughs> nice. So, so, I am, so top quality. Top quality. That is great. I'm getting the one-inch uh, Swain mats. Uh, there are about six up in the Windsor Dojo that I'll be bringing down, and I will be buying 12 to cap out the rest. I've already watched the YouTube videos on how to exactly perfectly cut them apart and make it happen. They show some tricks, which I think will help them last longer and such like that. But um, okay. it's going to be a very cush place when it comes down to that. The, the one-inch Swains, we know they're good. They're durable. Um, we'll want to warm them up just a, a little bit during the winter, like we said, because they do tend to get rock hard in 30 degree weather. Sure. So. Nice. That sounds fantastic. So what are your first classes going to be like? So, you know, if it's anything like when I started, you'll only have a couple to a handful of, of students initially. And 
Um, you know, what do you, what do you think the mix of the class is between, you know, your, your physical workout, your technical workout, uh, mental history, you know, what, what's your approach going to be? I'd like to believe it's going to be a balance of everything, but I was almost going to call it a 50, 50, 50 is it'll be 50% physical, 50% doing techniques at the wazoo and 50% just a little bit crazy. Um, as you know, Shri was over today, she, and, you know, I have a fairly large yard. So you can expect to run or jump or make, we might even go for a few mile run beforehand. Uh, my yard is 100 yards in the back, so we may be doing wind sprints. We'll come in, we'll be doing a lot of very hardcore training. Um, I personally am a Nike-based guy, so you can expect a lot of that and a lot of throws and everything else coming along with it. But history has to be a part of it. So I think it has to be a balance between your training, your physical preparedness, um, and knowing a little bit of what where jiu-jitsu really came from in our history, because that's one of the things that also drove me to Kobe Kai's. It wasn't just, hey, we're going to show you a bunch of stuff, and yeah, here it is, and well, here are thousands of years of how this evolved was very important. Absolutely. What do you think is going to be the main goal that you have for your students? So that's a great question. Um, it's one that I kind of look at myself too, is it's making a better you. The greatest thing that I can give back to a student is making somebody better than they were when they came in. They may come in the greatest football player, wrestler, whatever, but can we make them a little better student going out? You know, you could have somebody who comes in, they're worried about their confidence level. Um, they're worried about what might help happen out there. If we can raise that bar and keep pushing them and getting them to find new limits constantly and going through that evolution, I think that's the thing that I really want to give to the students most of all is to make them grow, to be better, to be more secure, better fit, and just better people all the way around. Excellent. And what are you hoping to get out of this for yourself? I think for myself, it's, gosh, I can't do the drive to Windsor anymore. <laughs> so more consistent training, <laughs> right? I can only make it up there once a week. This allows me to three times a week, guaranteed, I get to go out there and do the thing I love. It allows me to get back into better shape. I've been working a lot over the last year, about 60 hours a week as a consultant, which is good as I get time and a half. However, physical fitness, mental fitness is important. And having a balance between your work life and your workout life is important. And people, as you get older, it's even more important. I'm 47 now. I'm not 35 like when I came in or 34 when I joined the, joined the dojo. And it's important for you to maintain yourself. Agreed. So for me, it's better fit, better mental state of mind, and all the things I've hope to learn along the way about people, about teaching. And I can tell you every time I go into class and teach, or even when I go to somebody else's class, I learn something new. Well, that's great. Cause I was going to ask you, you know, did you feel, I mean, you're taking on this huge responsibility. You're going to be teaching students. You have your own, your own school now. Um, do you feel like you still have things you want to learn? Absolutely. Back to what I just said, I, I learn something every time I come in, whether it's um, a different method of how to tell somebody how to do something. You, know, you, you can tell one student one thing and it clicks for him. You've got John or Jack or Jill over here and you got to figure out how to explain it to them and finding that mode that they learn in. And uh, that can be challenging at times. And so you learn things along the way, like 
hey, if you move this way, you move that way, or why don't you think about it this way? You get some students walking in there, they're natural athletes, they can do just about anything you throw at them. Other people aren't there. Uh, so it's helping them along that journey. And that's that's where you learn as a teacher, right? Anybody Absolutely. can learn to do techniques. Now, can you teach them to somebody else is a totally different rubric that you have to kind of look at. And sometimes you have to, you know, kind of put things on their side and go, okay, I taught it this way, this way, but I have to kind of tilt it over here and say it this way for that person. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's a really important point because I'm not sure in America people kind of understand, you know, the, the titles that come along with, with black belts, you know, that you're a, you're a senpai, you know, meaning you're a senior, you're a sensei, meaning you're, you know, a teacher, you could be have a, a master's level or whatever, and and they often associate that with the person's uh, specific skill level. So like the higher their belt or their title, the more you know skilled, deadly, whatever. But you know what really is important is is these higher ranks are and titles are teaching ranks and titles. And, you know when when somebody becomes a master, which should be one of your goals, the the being a master is being a master instructor. You know, no one ever masters jujitsu, right? We all have good days and bad days, and and hopefully mm-hmm. it gets better over the years. And by the time we're finally getting it, we're probably too old and and it's starting to fall apart. But you know, getting to be a master instructor, where you do exactly what you were just talking about, you know, you have to find the way to teach each individual a different way, um, is really uh, an interesting but difficult journey. So it's going to be pretty cool for you to go down that path and become a really, really excellent instructor. You are one now, but, you know, I can envision what it's going to be like 10 years from now. Well, thank you for your feedback on that. I I would be lying if I told you it wasn't just a little bit intimidating. Um, teaching people is important. Teaching them something like this is tough. It's not easy. So to the senseis and senpais who are out there that teach, they get it. And it's a huge responsibility. Um, it's also a huge responsibility from a responsibility perspective. Uh, we're teaching something that is dangerous and difficult and could get you or somebody else hurt. So you have to take that as what it is. And, you know, that's a huge responsibility. So I, I welcome it, but it's definitely one of those things that causes you pause at times. For sure. I mean, your the safety of your students in, in the training scenarios is, you know, utmost importance. Uh, but then even when they're outside and they may or have to defend themselves in some way, um, you know, there's legal, legal ramifications for that. Uh, you know, people could get injured on both sides or could be lawsuits and, and making sure that we all, you know, make sure they have that kind of information. We're not just trying to train badasses, right? You know, we we want people, like you said before, to become better versions of themselves. Uh, we don't, you know, I know you don't want any jerks in the dojo, no meatheads, uh, nobody that's kind of come in and say, can you show me how to kill? Um, you know, this is, you know, not what it's about. With, with that great power that you're going to teach somebody, you know, they have to also have great responsibility. And, and that's why I think you're going to do a great job at it, knowing, knowing you so well. I, I'd like that. to jump in real quick. Yeah, please. Not everybody wants to be a teacher after attaining their black belt, right? So, Senpai Richard, like, what would you say is 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 like your number one reason to actually even want to teach in the in the first place? That is a great question, and I thought about this one for a long time too. Um, I think it was always in my nature from 
after I started learning this great art, you kind of sit there and say, wow, what about this? What about that? And you start learning it and saying, wow, I want to show others because you get excited about it. It's really something cool. Now, not everybody's going to get it. Uh, we used to say that, hey, you know, come train here, blah, 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 blah. And you give people this story and go, and they're not going to understand the same enthusiasm. I think for me, it was always just going, you have to understand how cool this is. And then you would give somebody this speech and they go, no, I'm, I think for me is when I started, you know, moving up through the ranks, I said, you know what, this is really something that I think should be carried on. And, you know, when you've got something that's thousands of years old and it's as pure as our art is, we have direct lineage all the way back to basically the beginning of jujitsu and where it came from. And if you think about that, how it's barely changed, how they got it right, that's something you want to hold on to. And I think that was my drive and determination to why I always wanted to be an instructor is taking this incredibly powerful, dangerous and deadly art, but beautiful at the same time and keeping it alive. It, it's moving that to the next level, bringing it you know, forward, keeping its relevance here in modern day America because it still works and it still applies to pretty much everything. Yeah, you can tell you have a lot of passion and, and uh, that's what makes a great instructor. Well, thank you. And I, I think it also comes up to atmosphere, right, Gian? Cause I mean, I, I was thinking about the old Hanbu the other day and people always say, what was it like? You know, we, we see the pictures, but we don't quite get it. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell a little bit of a story and you can kind of back me up on this, but I remember my first day coming in say, okay, it's a shed. You walk in and go, okay, uh, people will come up to you and they said, hi, and such and such and blah, 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 blah. And upper ranks kind of sat on one wall. New students, they'd say, you can go sit over there. You know, they'd be gravitating about this and that and kind of telling some jokes and stuff like that. And when you come in, you were kind of expected new person sit over there and be quiet. Now, always welcoming atmosphere, but you know, it was one of those things that was just, it was an atmosphere that was a little bit different. You knew coming in that you were always welcome to stay, but nobody would be chasing you down the driveway begging you to stay. <laughs> yeah. So in essence, you earned your place, right? Absolutely. And people would, how, I think it was Trey that started it. We started just giving white belts nicknames. Right, because maybe they didn't last long enough for you to even know their name. <laughs> it was easier to remember them off the nickname. Oh, you were Thursday or your Tuesday or your Saturday or your <laughs> your Johnny Bug Spray or whatever it was. But I think, you know, you earned your place in there and people at, at a time and you'd move up and you'd stay for a while. They'd start talking to you and they'd finally use your real name. And you'd be that one kind of sitting on the far wall with them and the new people would come in and say, OK, hey, welcome. And oh, by the way, you can sit over there and. We'll be over here. And I think it was, you know, you're revered in having that place on the wall. Uh, it was a place of honor and distinction. But also being there was that. You were proud to be there because you were a small crew of people who just came back and were willing to put up with it. Right. No matter how much it sucked or <laughs> a lot of times we were laughing when it sucked. And you never so, know who that's going to be either because, you know, when someone walks through the door, you know, they may give you a certain impression they're in shape or not in shape or they, you know, they tell you they've done wrestling or judo or karate or they've done nothing. And over the years, I've found that you can really never tell who's going to make the, the journey. 
some of the toughest people have come in and then left in, in two months because they, they couldn't hack it mentally or physically. And there's been some people that have started out that I was like, nope, they're, they're never going to make it. And they're still around to this day. Uh, and it just shows, you know, what a person can do if they really commit and put their mind to something, no matter how difficult it is, they, they find the reward uh, in, in overcoming those difficulties. Um, so as an instructor, you know, it's going to be a fascinating journey for you as people come through that door and, and you really having no idea, you know, how it's going to turn out three years from now and who's going to be, you know, a brown belt or a black belt, you know, or who's going to leave in, in 30 days. Yeah, I'd agree. And I, I can't tell you how many times we saw the, the big guy come in and go, oh, this guy's going to be a terror to deal with. And two weeks later, he's not coming back. Yeah. He's just going, no, I'm not going to do this. You guys just whoop the living daylights out of me. It hurts too much. Yep. Are you going to have any sort of criteria for who you accept as a student? Yes. Um, so most are going to be probably handpicked. I expect people to be good people. I don't, I'm not looking for bruisers or you know, gang members or whatever, they have to be coming in there for a good reason. This is a self-defense school and it can be very dangerous. So if somebody comes in and says, well, I just want to beat up people, I'm sorry, you're not my type. Uh, go find somewhere else. But uh, we are open to all. It's going to be adults. But, you know, as with, you know, like the old Hambu, we're going to be somewhat of a self-policing society. I want to set a culture that knows who to weed in and who to weed out. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, you, you know, we're we're passing on something that's worth something. I mean, people spent their lives for generations to get you to the point where you can now pass this on. And, and it, that that holds a lot of value to you. And and, you know, you have to make sure that's getting passed to the right person. I mean, it's like taking one of the most valuable things you have and saying, OK, I'm going to give this to somebody. And that person has to be worthy enough to to receive it. So I'm glad you're you're taking that, uh, you know, that attitude. Absolutely. And even further to that, I don't care if I have one student or if I have 20. Um, if they're a quality person, they want to train hard. That's good enough for me. And Excellent. I think that's one of the things I get to take away with having my own dojo, much like you did, Sean, is we can pick and choose on this a little bit. And I want quality over quantity. Agreed. So Agreed. five is the best I get, but they're really awesome, kick-ass people. Hoo-yah. There you go. Excellent. So three, for someone who's uh, just starting a new place, uh, you know, you've gone through the new, you know, the new student experience years ago. What would be some of your thoughts about bringing in new people? Um, and, and making them the right people. So Senpai says, you know, he's going to handpick them, but, uh, you know, there's only so many of your friends and family that are going to join, and the rest are going to be strangers. So so what do you think are some good ideas, uh, you know, to, to do that? I think the norm is that we go out as you know, people looking for a, um, a martial art or to do something new physically, and we're looking for something real, where there's some element of aggression, physical contact and reality to it. That's what I was looking for. So when we uh, when we talk to them, you know, like Senpai was talking about before, you know, really lay it on the line that this is this is what we're doing. It's tough physically. You know, people get thrown around, choked out, um, you know, bumped, bruised. And, and for the right people, that will be a very positive thing to say to them because they'll be the ones looking to come come and do that. That's exactly it. When I found out about that, I thought, you know what, this is the exact opposite of what I'm doing right now, and that's what I've been lacking in my life. 
But I guess you can't be afraid to put it out there and not sugarcoat it because if you try to mask some of the harshness of it, and especially this dojo, you know, Senpai Richards dojo, it's going to be harsh. And that's doing a disservice to folks that you may lure in on the pretext of uh, getting some self-defense training or, you know, maybe getting a good workout. Sure, mm-hmm. people want that. But if that's the only thing that from a recruiting standpoint, we're telling our friends or our family members or people that we meet, then they'll come for the wrong reasons and they'll leave. And, and then you'll start seeing uh, negative comments on, um, you know, because once this is out there, it's going to be out there on sure. social media and review sites and Yelp and all sorts of different things. And, and that's not what we want to portray this as. I gotcha. So question for you, Senpai, you know, we have uh, multiple schools uh, and there is always a, a chance that someone who is currently training at one of our other schools for whatever reason, maybe they live closer to you or they pass by there on the way to work or, or whatever reason, uh, they might want to come and, and train with you as, you, as, your, as the permanent instructor. Um, but there also might be people that want to come you know, just from time to time. And what, what are your policies going to be? And what do, what do students have to do, number one, if they wanted to come and train with you permanently and number two if they you know wanted to sort of do drop in from time to time certainly so i'll I'll deal with the first one is if somebody does want to come down and train permanently it is their responsibility to go talk to their current instructor and say hey this is what i want to do this is why Um, we're ultimately a family and you owe that to your instructor they're spending time investing time in you um, and growing you so it would be go to your your instructor, tell them, hey, here, this is what, this is why. If you like, I can always help with that conversation. But then again, I'm not trying to poach people at the same time. If it's, again, a thing of convenience or it's just where you want to be, that's the great thing about having multiple locations and multiple flavors of things in this. Um, different atmospheres may be up for people. But again, it's first go talk to your instructor and then we'll work it out. Now, if you want to come drop in, please come. People are always welcome. If you're in one of our schools and you say, hey, I'm just available on a Tuesday, but you know what? I was training Monday down at the JSA or this or that. But again, I would still want you to tell your instructor you're doing it. So (laughs) always tell your instructor. Make sure they're okay with it. As far as my training policy, I'm going to lay it out there. You are going to train in Kobukai and you're going to train in nothing else. I'm sorry. That's my rule. So if you want to go do something else, go do something else. You want to come train here, you train here, that's it. Okay, so you're basically saying, just as an example, so that people are clear, if they come and they become a student at your dojo, uh, they are not going to be, I'm just making up the days, they're not going to be training with you on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and then on the other days they're off pursuing uh, you know, their Aikido black belt or their training at a, you know, a UFC gym or something like that. They're, they're dedicating themselves completely to your instruction at your dojo. They are, you know, several reasons for that. One, it's exactly the way I, I was brought up. You train in one thing, you focus on that thing, you need to become the best you possibly can. I think there's something good about that. Now, if you want to go do something more sportive, go do something more sportive. Or built for a purpose with a very specific art, which is trained at achieving a specific goal and competency. You start throwing all these other things, that's great. It may not be self-defense-based. Okay, that's great. If you want to be a great judo guy, go be a great judo guy. There's some great schools. If you want to be a great Aikido guy, go do that. 
But if you come here, I want you to focus. I want you to give everything you can because that's how you're going to learn the best. And that's how you're going to make the most traction. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. So what other what other things do you want uh, people to know? Uh, you're going to be opening up um, relatively soon. Is there any other you know, things that you really want people to know about so that they can uh, tell their friends and family and, and make some good decisions? You know, a couple different things. Is One, uh, we will be teaching Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Uh, we're in a different zip code as far as Windsor. I had to choose between uh, the JSA days and that. And so I chose because uh, Sensei Matt's dojo is right down the road. He is a Monday, Wednesday, Friday guy. That allows just a little bit. We're not competing in the same place. We do have different programs. His is incredible. Um, our program up in Windsor, incredible. But given the distance, I just thought it was proper to shift the nights over. You know, I'm willing to do mornings, something I've been thinking about. So if you're a student out there and you go, God, I'd really like to get in a good class before work. Uh, we can get up at five in the morning, six in the morning, hold a class. We can all still make it to work on time. So there'll be flexibility. Also for people considering saying, hey, if you're hearing this podcast, I've never done jujitsu before and this sounds really intimidating. Come by. Just come by. Come by for regular class. If you're not quite there yet, come by and have a private class. It's going to be a multi-phase training center. We're putting up pull-up bars. There'll be TRXs. There'll be kettlebells in there so we're going to have your fitness work too so i'd like to think we fall somewhere between that uh crossfitty you know warrior workout type place so i think it's going to have a little bit for everybody yeah, that's, that's fantastic and you know of course if we're doing it like we've you know done in the other dojos in the past um there's no long-term contracts you're not signing your, your child's life away i mean basically you know, they're going to have to come in, meet you, watch a class, probably come back and try one so that you can ensure there's fit on both sides. And then you'll talk with people about, uh, you know, what the what the club fees might be. Is that how you're going to manage that? That's exactly how it is. You know, come try it out. Come watch. Uh, unless I know you well and I've seen something you've done before, I'm not going to put you out there on the first night. I want you to kind of look, see what an example is. I'll come back the next time, participate. And then we'll go from there. It's ultimately you're entering into a relationship. And that sounds weird, right? You're going, no, I'm just learning martial arts. Uh, no. I can tell you that the people that I have trained with over the years are some of my best friends, probably my closest friends. Big Dave, yourself, you know, Sensei Todd, Sensei Tony, Sensei Matt, Sensei Jake. These are guys that I know I can turn to in a time of crisis, and they're going to be there. And that's a long-term thing that comes out of this, is you beat the crap out of each other for all these years and people from the street go, well, don't you guys hate each other? No, we love each other because we've, we've gone through the trials and tribulations of all this crud and becoming harder and tougher and going through these things. It builds a brotherhood. Absolutely agree. So any final, final words you have for the people listening to the podcast that might be interested to be a student or other instructors or even, even friends of the dojo to to let them know, you know, sort of when you're going to be starting and anything else. Certainly. So my goal right now is the second weekend in November, uh, moving as quickly as possible. But that's our goal date, right, folks, is second weekend in November. And hey, would have loved to open during the summer, but good dojos take time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you might need some more volunteers, too. 
Yeah, we'll take them anytime they want to come by. It's it's coming fast. The hard stuff is done. Now it's going to be fit, finished paint and get those mats in there. And as soon as those mats are down, folks, we're rolling. Awesome. Sri, anything else? Is there any final parting words of wisdom you'd like to impart to Senpai? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is such a huge undertaking. Uh, when you take on a responsibility like this, you know, and, and the, the best advice that I could give anybody is make sure that all the things that you love are, are contained in the same circle. And in other words, you know, it can be really easy to get so involved in your dojo that, you know, your family or your kids or your job suffers, just like it could be in any other thing, right? There's plenty of people that overwork at at work and, and they, you know, they don't pay attention to other things. And, you know, like, you know, this is a part of your life. This is one of the things that helps your life be complete, uh, and make you a complete person. And so just make sure that, you know, it's, it's balanced and everything that's, you know, sort of in that circle of the things you care about most are handled gently, but handled with sort of the attitude of, uh, it's all going to be successful. I can handle all of this uh, because I really, I really do truly believe you can. And I also believe that the students who are going to learn from you are going to have an experience uh, similar to what you had that they're going to be talking about for years. Uh, it's going to make a huge, huge difference in their life. Every, every word you say to them in the dojo, every, every exercise you have them go through, every bit of philosophy that you tell them to a student, it, it sinks in and it becomes part of them and part of their life. That's why it's, it's such a huge responsibility. Uh, and I have to say, I'm, I'm really proud you, you're, you're taking it on. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be definitely one of the most rewarding things you've done. Well, thank you, Shiana, and thank you for the swift kick in the pants when I was in Florida over uh, Mojito. <laughs> well, I always enjoy uh, training with you and exchanging philosophies, and uh, I'm glad, um, you know, whatever I did to motivate you just to take that step, uh, you did. And I'm looking forward to coming up there um, and, uh, and and just testing out the place a little bit. So um, I will be seeing you soon, I'm sure. I can't wait, Shan. And Sri, thanks for putting this together. I, I think uh, this is just something very exciting that's happening. I mean, we have... The Cromwell Dojo that's doing phenomenal. We've got uh, our, our, our South Windsor Dojo, which is doing great, and uh, and now we have another another new location. Uh, and so slowly over the years, you know, the the concept and the philosophy behind Kobukai Jiu-Jitsu is really starting to spread. Awesome. Yeah, new dojos don't come every day, so this is definitely a very special podcast and a special occasion this year. So I'm I'm honored to be a part of that. As am I. And with the winter approaching, I will just warn students, if you see a snow shovel at the end of the driveway, leading and it's pointing in the direction of the dojo, get cracking. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Congratulations, Senpai. Thank you, sir. And thank you, Shree. Thank you, Senpai.